Luke chapter 14. The words of the Lord Jesus. In verse 31. For what king going to make war against another king sinneth not down first and consulted whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand or else while the other is yet a great way off he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace but speaking about the last days the Lord Jesus said Matthew 24 verse 6 you shall hear of war and rumours of war and when you think of the wars and the rumours of wars in the world today surely we're near the last days these wars shall take place before the world ends but there is one war there is one war that began away back in the beginning of time and there is no sign of that war coming to an end no not even today it began when our first parents rose up in rebellion against the God who made them they refused to be bound by the terms of an agreement which stated this do and thou shalt live obey me the Lord said I am your maker obey me and keep my commandments and thou shalt live and shall live in peace but when Adam and Eve agreed agreed to disobey the law of the Lord by eating the forbidden fruit it was a declaration of war it was there in Eden's garden when the forbidden fruit was partaken of it was a direct declaration of war against the God of heaven against his laws and against his commandments and man's battle with his maker has become the longest running war this world has ever seen it is a war between sinful man and a holy God it is a war between rebellious nature that refuses to come under the rule and the law of God as Paul points out in Romans 8 and verse 7 the carnal mind is enmity against God carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be enmity enmity what does that word mean well the word means give you a literal translation the word means a feeling of hostility or ill will as between enemies there's Paul describing that war between sinful fallen man and God a feeling of hostility or ill will as between enemies that's right a feeling of hostility and the sinner knows what I'm talking about sinner knows what I'm talking about for the sinner has, a, has shown and demonstrated that hostility against the Lord and against the gospel go and stand on the street corner and preach the gospel you know all about the hostility from the ungodly don't want to hear the gospel don't want to hear it you know that feeling of 
hostility when someone speaks to you about the Lord you know how hostile the sinner has been when they've been asked about getting right with God to say away with you I'm not interested in that kind of thing there's a rally somewhere in a group of people large crowd of people and believers go out with gospel tracts and hand them out I've been to meetings like that and you hand out gospel tracts and when the rally's finished and you're on your way home what do you see? gospel tracts littering the ground don't want to hear what is it? a feeling of hostility or ill will between enemies that's what it is you know how resentful the sinner is when they're told they need to be saved they need to be saved we can see this whole picture of man's controversy with God set out in the words of our saviour here between two warring kings The Lord here has been speaking about being a disciple of the Lord. And how often as we've gone through the Lord's parables have we seen in those parables the gospel message. Here's the gospel message in these two verses about the two warring kings. The sinner has been engaged in a battle against God from ever they can remember. And I trust that wherever someone is listening to us tonight, if you've been engaged in this war against the God of heaven, I trust the sight you will surrender to the God of heaven. And you will come and desire conditions of peace because I can tell you what those conditions are and you can have peace with God the peace that passes all understanding <coughs> but there is a cost there is a price if a sinner will not make peace with God it's the price of war it's the cost of their war against God. I want you to notice first of all the conflict here mentioned by the Lord in these two verses. The conflict. <coughs> this parable regarding two kings about to engage in a war. Regarding the conflict we see first of all the foes. The two foes, two kings. The two foes in this conflict are described as kings. Indicating that they were both men of power and influence. Except that one was more powerful than the other. For we read there in verse 31 that one had 10,000 and the other came 20,000. So the one was more powerful than the other. Nevertheless the king who was less powerful was prepared to go against the other king who had 20,000 men how well that illustrates for us how well it illustrates for us how many today are prepared to wage war against the king of kings who is all powerful right they do not see themselves as being inferior but are ready they are ready to put themselves on power on power with the king of kings and lord of lords that's right they thumb their nose at God 
they mock and blaspheme his name and say what can God do to me not how men live today the way they live the way they speak against God how they take his name in vain and they really say what can God do to me I live the way I please they see themselves as the king of their own domain and they're determined that no other king will rule over them that's right is this not the description of someone listening to this service tonight wherever you may be am I not describing you you're not aware of your littleness and your powerlessness you haven't as yet realized that you're nothing more in the eyes of God you're nothing more than a grasshopper in the sight haven't come to realize that neither has it occurred to you that the one whom you have made your enemy could remove, could remove you in an atom of time yet you fight on with no fear of God before your eyes convinced that you are all powerful and that God is powerless to do anything with you that's how people live today isn't it if there was a fear of God before their eyes if they were to realize who God is they wouldn't behave as they do but no they look upon themselves as being little gods that rule their own lives nobody will tell me what to do is their slogan so there you have the foes next you have the fight one king was going to make war against another king the Lord tells us it should be pointed out that this was not a mere disagreement this was war that was the Lord is telling us or what king going to make war against another king and so it was war it's the same word that is used in Matthew 24 verses 6 and 7 where the Lord again refers to the last days of the wars and rumors of wars and when you look at the fight you think about the war you see you see dear unsaved friend you're at war with God you're at war with heaven for you have risen up against God just as our first parents did they rose up against God they declared war basically said God's not going to tell us what to do And God used the sinner as his enemy because the sinner rebels against the Lord, rebels against this book, rebels against God's word. They resist the word, they resist the preaching of the word, they reject it all. And whatever a sinner may think, that they have in their favor in this war against God as long, as long as they hold out against the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel listen they are the enemies of God if a church court holds out against Christ they may go to church every Lord's day and sing psalms and sing hymns 
But while they hold out against Christ and his salvation, they are the enemies of God. They are. The book says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Well, if you don't repent, you're disobeying God. You're rebelling against his word. As well as the war, you have the warriors. The scriptures reveal the identity of those who wage war against the King of Kings. We go to the last book of the Bible, book of the Revelation. And there in Revelation chapter 19, and verse 19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him. Him, the Lord God of heaven. To make war against him that sat on the, ho on the horse and against his army. Now you say, well, who is he that sits on the horse? Well, look at verse 11 of the same chapter. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he that judge and make war. We're talking about Christ. He is the one sitting upon the white horse. He's called Faithful and True. That's Christ. And they made war against the Lord Jesus. And you see it everywhere today. Just thinking the other day there. When I went to high school. Killing a man intermediate school. I remember every Friday. We had the vice principal as our teacher and Mr. Elgin. And I remember every Friday we would take our Bibles out from under our desk. And he would have us all read the scriptures. That's how we began our day at school on a Friday. Apart from Christian schools like our own in Toronto where would you get that today the Bible's banned and banning the Bible you know what the declared war against the Lord and against the God of heaven so we notice the war and the warriors Next we notice the way. Look again at these words of the Saviour. <clears throat> notice that no reason is given why this king would want to fight against another king. You read those two verses. You can read them over and over but do not find any reason why one king should fight the other. There's no reason given. And the same question might be put to the sinner. Why? Are you so hostile towards the one who made you? Why are you so antagonistic to the one who has done you no harm rather has been good unto you? What's the reason? Like the story of the two kings. There was no reason at all. That was given. Why are you so resentful? Resentful of the one who holds your breath in his hand. There is no good reason 
my sinner friend, why you should fight against God. No good reason. There's also the folly, the folly. When you look at the armies of these two kings, you see one is 10,000 and the other is 20,000. And yet the one with 10,000 was planning and going out and fighting the king with the 20,000 men. What folly! What would be the chances of that king and his men winning the battle against an army that was twice their size? Would it not be a foolish thing for that king with a smaller array of soldiers to go out and fight against an army that was twice their size? It would be folly. My friend, That situation is no more foolish, no more foolish than man than the man who fights against God. It's folly to fight against God. It is folly for a sinner to thumb their nose at God. What hope do they have of winning the contest? What hope? Do you have of succeeding against a foe who is listen, who is almighty? It's folly, isn't it? It's foolish. What hope does the sinner have of being victorious over one? Listen, what hope does the sinner have of being victorious over the one who has never known defeat? Hallelujah. How are they going to how are they going to defeat the Lord who has never known defeat? And they go out and fight against the Lord why sure it's folly. Matthew nineteen verses eleven to sixteen we read there about the all he's the almighty. And there's man, puny little man, who thinks he is a God, and the God of heaven can do nothing with him, or can do nothing to him. What folly, what foolishness. We've considered the conflict. Let's consider now the contemplation. But now we see this king, before he goes any further with his plan to fight against the king with an army twice his size, he gives some thought to it. Verse 31. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first? and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Notice his posture. This king with the ten thousand we're told his posture we're told that he sitteth down there's his posture sat down he sat down to think over the whole matter. So in the light of all that we have seen in the scriptures, would it not be wise for sinners to do the same thing? Sit down and give it consideration. What hope have you of being victorious against Almighty God? sit down and give it thought would it not be wise for the sinner and anyone listening to this 
service this evening to pause a while and give some consideration to this conflict that they're involved in why not calmly sit down and soberly look at things in the light of eternity in the light of the one who you're fighting against in light of the one whom you have declared war against the almighty God said I think about it regarding this posture this king considered his defeat And like this king, sinner, will you not sit down and give some thought to your inevitable defeat? You can't win this contest. You can't win this war. No, sir. Because no man can stand against God and prosper. Impossible. King Nebuchadnezzar found this out to his cost. You can read about it and not take time, but you'll find it in Daniel 4. Like the king in the parable, Nebuchadnezzar had no might or power to be compared with the king of heaven. And so you see, like Nebuchadnezzar, and many another sinner you're facing defeat I tell you that is guaranteed you wage war against God reject God's son the Lord Jesus Christ don't want anything to do with him want to tell you now you're a defeated individual you're not win this war. Instead, the King of Kings will draw out his sword. And when the God of heaven wields his sword, that'll be the end. As far as time is concerned. And you'll be ushered into eternity. A lost eternity without hope without God without salvation gone forever the good to sit down and consider defeat and what it would mean as well as considering the defeat consider the doom consider the doom defeat for this king and the death of the king and so my friend that you continue this battle against God the God of heaven you face certain defeat. tell you Belshazzar Belshazzar was another king who thought he could fly in the face of God and win the battle. Turn please to Daniel 5. <coughs> Daniel chapter 5. Daniel 5, look at verse 22. Daniel 5 verse 22 And thou his son O Belshazzar hast not humbled thine heart <coughs> though thou knewest all this but have lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven look at the end of the same verse 20, 23 and the God in whose hand thy breath is and whose are all thy ways 
hast thou not glorified. You have not glorified the God who holds your breath in his hand. And there was Belshazzar. And he was told that night <coughs> when out of the dark sleeve of the night came the fingers of a man's hand and wrote on the plaster there above the candlestick many, many take up the farson. And those words mean God has numbered thy kingdom finished thou wert well in the balances and found wanting you see when that happened when that message came from God to Belshazzar he was in the midst of a great feast he had gathered a thousand lords and they were drinking to the health of their false god and drinking to the health of their king Belshazzar they didn't know the enemy was already at the gates of the city they were already there and they came in to the temple palace of Benos and there they were drinking to the health of the king and that night a thousand daggers plunged into the heart of a thousand lords and that night death was king for in that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slept he couldn't win the battle he rejected the God of heaven O Belshazzar thou hast not humbled thine heart though thou knewest all this and hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven I could say tell me sinner are you greater than Belshazzar Well, we see what happened to Belshazzar. For in that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. And except you repent, except you surrender in this war, except you surrender, the sword of judgment will come and cut you down. And in your life, death will be king. Not only do we see here the king's posture, sit down and think about it. You have the king's priority. The Lord tells us that this king facing an army greater than his, sit down first and consulted whether he be able. Was this not a wise king? Did he could say this king wised up? From what do we read? He settled down first. He settled down first. Before he drew a sword in this war, he did something first. And my friend in the light of all that you've heard this evening do you not think it would be better for you also to sit down first to make this a priority to sit down and consider what it would cost you to lose this war what would it cost you to lose this battle against the God of heaven it would cost you your soul Cost you lost eternity. 
it'll cost you hell where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched some people wonder what, what's the worm the Lord spoke about where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched well we know what the fire refers to the fire is of hell but what's the worm it's the memory it's the memory the sinner passes out into hell and his memory goes with him remember the rich man and Lazarus and the rich man went out into hell and he said I have five brethren I hope he remembered them you see send Lazarus to tell them not to come into this place you see he remembered remember not long after Joy and I were saved remember going to a Christian bookshop and put it down and we saw these pictures like those there on the other side verses of scripture written and I wanted one and I chose what one I wanted and brought it home for our home and I was admiring the printing of and the lady in the store Christian lady of course she says you know something the man that made those pictures and did that lovely printing do you know he's not saved and I thought to myself if that man dies without Christ listen, he'll remember every verse that he wrote he'll remember every verse of scripture that he put in the picture free he'll remember it all and no doubt cry out what a fool I was I could not win this war and here this king made of the priority I better consider this first and would the sinner not be wise also and consider this first before they do anything else first can I win this war can I be victorious sit down first as well as the king's posture he sat by and his priority made it first in the king's power the Lord said that the king would consider whether he was able, able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000 whether he was able that's referring to what power he had and this is something sinner ought to think about as you continue your war against the God of heaven when you with what little strength you have when you with what little strength you have be able to defeat the God of heaven Do you think that with what little strength you have, you're capable of going out against God and winning and defeating him and overthrowing him? Think of the power that God has. And then compared to the power of Almighty God, you have nothing. Remember, when the enemies of Christ came to arrest him Peter the individual that he was sprang to the Lord's defense what did the Lord say to him 
Peter, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. A legion is six thousand. The Lord said, My Father will send me twelve legions of angels. Seventy-two thousand angels. And Peter, you're going to take a stand against those who have come to arrest me. Did you know something? The Lord didn't need 72,000 angels. Not at all. The Revelation 19 verse 14 speaks about the Lord Jesus who has the armies of heaven. But the Lord didn't need angels. He didn't need a hundred thousand angels. The Lord could have dealt with his enemies there and then. Spoken the word. You remember when they came to arrest the Savior? Whom seekest thou? Jesus of Nazareth. And the Lord said, I am he. The word he is in italics. So what did the Lord say? I am. <laughs> in other words, the Lord said, I'm Jehovah. And what happened? They fell backwards. They fell back as dead, work, dead men. And they only had to speak the word. And here we have sinners today and they wage war against the God of heaven and they don't want anything to do with them and they think they're gods themselves the Lord is only to speak the word and they would be ushered into eternity that would be the cost of war We've considered the conflict, the contemplation, finally the correspondence. We are told by the Lord that the king, if he doesn't consider the matter, he will correspond with the other king and desire conditions of peace. Verse 32. First of all, you have his action. The king took action while there was still, still time to avoid if you like a bloodbath he took action he desired the conditions of peace he took action while there was still time to def to avoid defeat and to, to avoid death he wanted to explore where's <coughs> whereby he and the other king could be reconciled. There's the gospel, isn't it? He wanted to explore conditions of peace. He wanted peace to reign between himself and the other king. He knew, he came to realization that he could not win this war. The other king had twice as many soldiers as he had. And he sought peace. Oh, oh, that sinners would seek peace with God. They'd give up their swords of rebellion. And they would come and seek the peace of God that passeth all understanding. As well as the action, action, we have his awareness. The 
Lord indicates that this king was ready to make peace with his foe, the other king, because he was aware that he had no hope of winning. He sat down, he thought about it, he contemplated his half the soldiers that the other king had, and he realized, I have no hope of winning. We'll go and make peace with the other king. I wish sinners would see that way as well. I wish sinners would open their eyes and see they have no hope of winning against the God of heaven. No. Remember Saul of Tarsus. He was an enemy of God. An enemy of the church of Christ. Until the Lord stopped him one day. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth. <laughs> this great man, Saul of Tarsus. And how he saw people put to death. Went into homes, arrested people and imprisoned them, and just one appearance from the God of heaven, Paul fell to the earth. What did he say? What will thou have me to do? He was defeated. He knew he could not win against the Lord. Oh, how I wish men and women hearing this message tonight would seek those conditions of peace surrender to the king of kings and lord of lords and come to realize I cannot win this battle I'm bound for hell except I surrender all to the lord Makes sense, doesn't it? Then you have the appeal. It was the action, the awareness, and then the appeal. He sends an ambassage and desires conditions of peace. The original puts it in a slightly different way. An embassy having sent, he asked the terms of peace. He asked the terms of peace. Want to know the terms of peace. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to a sinner playing a part of a rebel and fighting against the God of heaven, I can give you the terms of peace. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for sinners like you. Christ shed his blood. For sinners like you. Paul said. Therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. Through the blood. Of this cross. The blood of Christ. Is the term for peace. You want to be saved. You don't want to be sent out into hell. You don't want God to draw the sword of judgment and cast you out of his sight forever. Then come and seek peace. Seek the peace through the blood of his cross. Oh, that it would be tonight. to lose your soul to be the cost of war against God let's bow in prayer so Lord oh Lord 
how each one of us here tonight know of others who are still engaged in a war against the God of heaven. They will not listen. Give heed to the word. Rather, Lord, they're full of pride and think God can do nothing to them. And yet, Lord, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man? Sure, he's nothing more than a grasshopper in thy sight. And what hope has the sinner against the God of heaven? Lord, speak to some soul somewhere this evening. And may they indeed tonight, tonight experience peace with God. Lord, we thank thee for this day, for being with us here, for each one who has come Though the Lord bless again Mrs. Hamilton the congregation there in Walnutport bless thy servant who labors there week by week comfort his heart and Mrs. Hamilton's knowing, knowing that the Lord is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. The Lord knows all about Mr. and Mrs. Hamilton. Knows how they feel tonight. Lord, touch our sister, we pray. And the others for whom we have been praying. Lord, be with us now as we leave the Lord's house tonight. Give us traveling mercy to our various destinations. Keep us looking on to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. In the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, abide and remain with us now and until the day breaks and the shadows all flee away. Amen.